0: Father, we're so thankful for the privilege of prayer and the opportunity that we have to come to you boldly because you are all powerful, you are all knowing, you are sovereign. And Lord, we come with great confidence, not because of ourselves, but because of you. And we thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice, the atonement on the cross for our sins. For the resurrection that we celebrate um, again today and each and every weekend and especially this weekend as there's people that are planning to attend church on Easter who normally don't. We pray, God, that you would help us this week to be inviting people to come and be a part of the service so that they can hear the gospel. We pray, Lord, that this would be a week where people come to faith in Christ uh, we pray, praise you and thank you, Lord, for the word of God that we have that we're able to open. We're thankful for the church of God, the family of God, and to bear one another's burdens. And tonight we, we bear the burden of Dr. Clark and Miss Pat and Jaden and, and their whole family, Brayden. Um, Lord, we pray that you would be with them, with Patrick and the whole family we do minister to them tonight as only you can. They're in the hospital room, and Lord, we do pray that you would touch Jason, that you would raise him up. We pray, God, that you would be with Noel, uh, Sewell, and Lord, all the tests that she's going through, I pray, Lord, that they would be able to identify her problem. I pray for Brother Noel Burke as well, and pray for the testing tomorrow. Pray, Lord, that you would touch him. and. And raise him up. Thank you for the blessing and encouragement he is to our our church family. And Lord, we do lift up Miss Holly to you tomorrow, baby Ezekiel. We pray for a safe and healthy delivery. We pray, God, that you would uh, just be with them. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to be with Caroline McClellan, Lord, and and, um, the cancer there and also the surgery. We pray, Lord, that you would... Allow that to happen quickly, and we pray, Lord, that you would continue to pour out your grace and your strength and your peace upon her and her family. I pray for little Ripley, Lord, that you will continue to touch him, and Lord, help him to get over this COVID so that he can have the needed surgery as well. Um, Lord, we do lift up those once again to you who lost loved ones this past week, and um, Lord, in, in Nashville and in the shooting and also in the accident at Fort Campbell, we pray, Lord, that you would be with their families. We pray this week as services are held that, and as they have already been for some of them that the gospel would go forth, pray for Pastor Scruggs as he, Lord, ministers um, and also shares the gospel and ministers to their church family in his own grief. I pray, Lord, for Miss Norma as she has surgery this week, I pray for Jeremy Bowe. I pray for Miss Norma Moody as she continues to recover from surgery. I pray for Brother Bobby Richardson, Lord, and the services this week for his father. I pray that you would minister um, to him as well. So many things going on, uh, so many heavy burdens. And Lord, we lay them at your feet. We cast our care upon you, knowing that you care for us. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would just minister. We're limited in our human flesh. We have limits, and yet we know that uh, you go way beyond that. And so we're asking that the Spirit of God would do what we cannot do. And pray, Lord, that we would be faithful to pray about these things and to encourage these within our church family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, Galatians chapter 5 this evening in our series of Resolved, and tonight I want to talk about a very practical thing. If you're not careful, this will be one of the sermons that you sit through, you hear, you leave, you forget about, it doesn't affect your life. Maybe it's familiar to you. Um, It's just one of those things that is a lot easier to teach than it is to apply. So I pray that you will take what you hear tonight and you will... Put it into practice this week and, and maybe something that is said tonight will uh, jog your memory and will help you as you go throughout life and through this week. I believe it is one of those, those scriptural principles that is crucial to our everyday lives. I, I believe this, that my, my parenting and my job as a pastor, my ministry as a pastor and as a spouse to Kim, all of that. Uh, depends on this one thing, and that is being filled with the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit. The opposite of that is, is walking in our flesh. And, you know, the, the, the gift of free will is something that we see in this battle that goes on because, uh, we have two options as, a, as Christians. At the moment of salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit and, We received a supernatural ability to live beyond just our flesh and to be able to say no to sin and be able to say yes to the things that we need to say yes to in our life. But we also have the option to quench the spirit, to not be filled with the spirit, to walk after our flesh and to fulfill the lust of our flesh. And so Paul, all through Galatians, he emphasizes um, that salvation is a work of the spirit, first of all. Before we jump into the sanctification process of becoming, as the choir saying, more like Jesus, which ought to be the desire of all of our hearts, we see that salvation is a work of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 3, in verse number 1, Paul writes, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. And then he asked them this very important question. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? We talked about that this morning. It's not by the works of the law. It's by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish? Notice this and mark this in your Bible. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect or mature in the flesh? He reminds us that salvation is a work of the Spirit and, and so the Christian life should be lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit plays a huge part in our salvation, doesn't he? He convicts us of our sin. He produces repentance in us. He produces in us faith and a submission to Christ. And we're indwelled by the Spirit. We are secured by the Spirit. And all of this occurs at the moment of salvation. And since we were born again by the Spirit, this is what Paul is saying, do we now believe that we can live the Christian life in our own flesh? How many of you, like me, have tried to live the Christian life in your own flesh? Yeah, and so he says, you do this through the Spirit of God. Our daily Christian walk is also a supernatural walk as we submit daily to the Holy Spirit. And we walk not by the power of our flesh, but by the power of the Spirit. The things that we need to say no to, we're able to say no to only by the power of the Spirit, by a submission to His will. The things that we need to say yes to, that we need to add to our life, we do do so through the Spirit of God. So, with that in mind, look at verses sixteen through twenty-five. Paul writes, "This I say, then, say the next four words with me: Walk in the Spirit. One more time: Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and." These are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be, and here's the little phrase again, led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, contrasting that, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And here he says it again, verse 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also, say it with me, walk in the spirit. He begins verse 16 and he closes verse 25 with that thought and that admonition to walk in the spirit. Having victory in the Christian life, listen, it cannot be engineered by self-effort. We can't be saved by self-effort, we can't be saved by by our works, and we can't be sanctified by our works or self-effort. It cannot be accomplished by abiding by a list of man-made rules or attending man-made programs. It is accomplished as we daily, and listen, not just daily, but many times a day, die to ourselves and submit ourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit that resides in us. That's why Paul says, I die daily. I crucify my flesh. We're commanded in Ephesians to walk in love. But listen, we can't walk in love if we are not walking in the Spirit. Love is an overflow of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. We're commanded to walk in light, Ephesians 5.8. But we can't walk in the light if we are not walking in the Spirit. We can't even come close to being the kind of church members and parents and spouses and employees and Christians that God wants us to be without walking under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit indwells all of us at the moment of salvation, listen, what does that mean? It means that none of us have an excuse not to walk in the Spirit. We all have the Spirit living in us. We all have the capability of walking under the control of the Spirit. At the time that Paul is writing this letter to the Christians at Galatia, there were preachers and teachers that were teaching that you were saved by the law. And Paul answered that in Galatians 3 and 4. Listen, here's all these people that are coming to faith in Christ, all these Gentiles who are coming to faith in Christ in this Galatia region, and, and it's exciting. Uh, they are hearing about Jesus Christ, and they are being freed from the bondage of sin. But here comes these, uh, these Christians uh, some of them probably true Christians, some of them uh, self-professing Christians. And, and listen, they're, they're, they believe in Jesus, but they're also trying to say, hey, you've you got to come through some Jew, Jewish laws and Jewish rules and Jewish ceremonies. And, and Paul addresses them in Galatians 3. Listen to what he says in verse 24. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. That we might be justified by faith, but after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster for a year all the children of God. How? By faith in Christ Jesus. The law simply brings us to a place of acknowledging our need of faith in Christ. And this same group of preachers and teachers were also teaching that after you were saved by the law, that you had to keep the law in order to remain saved. And Paul answers them in chapters 5 and 6. Look at chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ had made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What's he saying? He's saying he has just set you free from sin by coming to faith in Jesus Christ alone. Don't go back into bondage of, uh, of the law, of being under the law. You're not saved by your works. Look at verse two. Behold, I, Paul, saying to you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Notice verse 5. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And then he says in verse number 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. He doesn't want them to come back underneath the bondage of something. He wants them to understand, listen, that sanctification is about getting up every day and making decisions. Don't miss this. Not based on how we feel. Not based on how we feel but based on what the Word of God teaches we should should be doing and being filled with the Holy Spirit of God and sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God and dying and crucifying our flesh. The Spirit of God, listen to this, He will never lead you in opposition to the Word of God. The Spirit of God will never lead you in opposition to the Word of God. So whenever you hear people say, well, the Spirit of God is leading me to do something, that the Bible speaks very blatantly that you should not do, then they're simply trying to make an excuse to get around it and to sin and do what they want to do. Now, the Spirit of God and the Word of God work hand in hand. There's just three things here tonight in this passage that I want to to share with you. The first thing that we see is that we have been commanded to walk in the Spirit. I want your eyes for just a moment. So once you get that written down. I want you to know upon the authority of scripture that this is not a good just a good idea and it's not a suggestion. This is a command. Which means if we are commanded of God to do it and we don't do it, then we're what? Disobedient. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So when we don't walk in the spirit, it is sin. It's sin. When we're controlled by our flesh, it is, it is sin. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, Paul says this, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. He gives it a contrast to what alcohol does to a person. What does it do? It takes over his, his body. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Don't let wine control you or be in charge of your life, but instead, let the Spirit of God control you. Let the Spirit of God determine what you do and don't do with your life. Seven times in this passage, he mentions the Spirit, and he emphasizes that the flesh is defeated by being controlled by the Spirit of God. So look, the Holy Spirit becomes our restrainer. He allows us To not do what we shouldn't. Romans 8 and 9, a great verse. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of God, he is none of his. For all of us who have received the spirit of God at the moment of salvation, may we be reminded tonight that we have been commanded to walk in the spirit. And when we don't, we're sinning. When we choose to be controlled by our flesh, when we choose to be influenced by the world rather than the Spirit of God, we're living in disobedience to God. So let's just be real practical, Sunday school practical with this. That if there is something in your life that you know that the Spirit of God does not want you partaking in and doing, and if you don't know that, as a child of God, pray about it and I'm sure he'll give you the answer. He's not trying to hide his will. And if you're questioning it, there's probably a reason why you're questioning it. And so if there's things in our life, if there is a sin or there is a weight that is weighing us down or there is something that is affecting our witness for Christ... And the Spirit of God makes it clear that he wants that out of our life. Then not to put that out of our life and to give in to what our flesh wants rather than what the Spirit of God wants is is direct disobedience to God. That's hard, isn't it? But it's true. It's true. This is a command by God. Walk in the Spirit. The second thing that we see is that there is a conflict between the Spirit and the flesh. Verse 17, the flesh lusteth against the spirit or fights against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. In other words, the flesh desires that which is in opposition to the spirit, and the spirit desires that which is in opposition to the the flesh. There is a strong conflict here. This is what we refer to as the spiritual battle. Our flesh is strong, and our flesh is stubborn, and it pushes on us every morning to give in to it. And one of the hardest things that we will ever decide to do is to say no to our flesh. When the Lord says, hey, I want you to get up early and spend time with me, and the alarm goes off at 5 or 6 o'clock so that we can do that, or earlier, you know what my flesh says? Snooze. Snooze. Snooze, snooze, snooze. So there's a battle that goes on there and and I either give in to what I know the Spirit of God wants me to do or I give in to what the flesh wants me to do. And here is a very basic, simple key to it. You say, well, well, which one am I going to do? The Spirit, what the Spirit wants me to do or what the flesh wants me to do? I'm going to give you a very simple answer. Whichever one is the strongest. So if I'm feeding my spirit I'm spending time in the Word of God and I'm spending time with God in prayer and and I'm gathering with the body of Christ and the things of the kingdom of God are of utmost importance to me and I'm pouring those things into my life. As Paul says in, in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Or are you feeding your flesh? Are you starving your spirit? This is such an easy concept, but it comes down to this. The, the conflict that goes on between our spirit and our flesh really boils down to which one we're feeding the most. If you're constantly feeding your flesh, and you're constantly watching TV, and you're constantly pumping the world's music and ideology into your mind and into your heart, and that's what you're pumping in all the time, and you're starving your spirit, you never read your Bible, you never pray except when you come to church, then then don't be surprised when there's a conflict that goes on between your spirit and the flesh, and your spirit loses. Because your flesh is stronger than your spirit. You know, if there's a a strong conflict going on in your life, you ought to thank God for that. Because that's a sign that the Spirit of God is living inside of you. Paul said in Romans 7, in verse 18, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. Someone said... Experience the pain of discipline now or experience the pain of regret later. Experience the pain of discipline now or experience the pain of regret later. Listen, if you're not in the habit of spending time in the Word of God and spending time in prayer and coming to church a lot more than you're used to, it's not just going to happen. You're not just going to wake up with, it, with one day, Brother James, with this desire that all of a sudden you have it. At the beginning, it takes discipline, just like anything else. And Paul talks about that, that discipline. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 7. For we know that the, that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. And we can all identify with this passage. For that which I do, I allow not, or I don't want to do. For, for what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I He's describing this conflict that goes on. If, if then I do that which I would not, I can unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. This is, in my opinion, coming from the greatest Christian, human Christian that ever walked the planet, in my opinion. And he says here that in his flesh dwells no good thing. He says here there's this constant battle and struggle. For the good that I would, I do not. Verse 19, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, mark mark that, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Again, a very simple principle, but something that will literally change your life if you will apply it. Whenever I'm talking about this conflict, I say often that that Satan's target to steal and to kill and to destroy are key relationships in your life. Your your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, your relationship with other God-ordained people that he's placed in your life, with church members, He wants to destroy those relationships. He wants to destroy your marriage. But the battleground where he tries to do that is the mind and the heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Whatsoever is pure and just and lovely, think on these things. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Look, this is where it's won or lost. And the enemy is constantly throwing thoughts here. Thoughts of lust, thoughts of greed, thoughts of selfishness. What are you doing with those thoughts? Do you, do you just think about them? Do you, do you, um, chew on them and, and let them become something that you obsess over and that you act upon? Or do you cast them down and replace them with thoughts of truth of God's Word? Greater is He that is in me than He that's in the world. I can have victory through Christ. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. When Satan tells you, you'll never whip that sin. There is no temptation taken me, but such as is common to man. But God, who is faithful, will make a way of escape. These are truths that you and I must constantly be chewing on and rehearsing in our minds. We're we're to be actively engaged in this battle. Let me give you some scripture real quick. Ephesians 3 and verse 5. Sorry, guys. I know I'm jumping all over the place. You guys are doing a great job. Ephesians 3, 5. He says, Mortify or put to death your members which are upon the earth. Put them to death. Kill them. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry kill them mortify them first corinthians nine twenty seven. but i keep under my body and i bring it into subjection lest it by any means when i have preached to others i myself should be a castaway we've all experienced this at the gym haven't we when you haven't been for a while And you go in and you do one thing or you're on the treadmill for five minutes and you want to get off. What do you have to do? Push through it. Tell your body no. Be disciplined. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3 and 4. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Romans 8, 5, they that are after the flesh do mind the things that are flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things that are of the Spirit. So look, we've been commanded to walk in the Spirit. We know this ahead of time. There's a conflict between the flesh and the Spirit. And you say, when's it going to go away? The day you die. You're never going to get to the place in your Christian life where you don't battle that. Now, your spirit can become stronger and your flesh can become weaker where it doesn't become such a battle and such a hard thing as you build up spiritual muscles. It doesn't take as much, but you will fight this battle till the day you die. Number three, there's a contrast between what the flesh and the spirit produce. And this is in the closing section, and this is where Paul lays out the results of the test. You say, well, how do I know if I'm walking under the control of the flesh, or how do I know if I'm walking under the control of the Spirit? Here's what we can expect, he says, if we walk in the flesh, and here's what we can expect to see in our life if we walk in the Spirit, and it's very straightforward, and this ought to be a great motivator for us to walk in the Spirit. And listen, it would do good for us to ask somebody besides if we if they see these things in our life. Because I'm partial to myself. I have a lot of blind spots. Sometimes Kim will tell me something and I'll go, what? That happened this week, I think. She sees it a lot easier than I do. But if you want to know whether you're walking in the flesh or the Spirit, he says this, these are, these are the, the fruits. These are the results of whether you're walking on in the flesh or walking in the Spirit. And we like to blame other things, don't we? We like to blame other people. We like to blame the society in which we live in instead of, of taking personal responsibility for our own faults and failures. The results of walking after the flesh, verses 19 through 21. Let's look at them. And we're not going to, we could spend three weeks on each of these talking about them. But let me just list them. And this isn't just acting out. This is in our minds as well. If these things are frequently popping up in our life, we're walking after the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Idolatry, which is putting anything above Christ. Seeking anything before the kingdom of God. Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath or hatred, strife, seditions, heresies, envying's, murders, not just the actual act but in your mind, drunkenness. Revelings and such like. Here's your homework because I'm not going to go through and define all these. Go study those this week. And ask yourself and and ask someone close to you if these things show up in your life. Mark 7 verse 20 says this, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. All these things come from within and defile the man. Listen, man is not corrupted because of our environment. Our environment is corrupted because of man. Let's stop blaming it on everything else other than ourselves. And let's look inside and fix the problem from within. And then he says the fruit or the product of the Spirit in verses 22 and and 23. These are the indicators in our life that we are saved and walking under the control of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I just did an entire marriage two sessions on each of the fruits of the Spirit. Because if you want to see if these things are really coming out in your life, test them in your marriage. Test them in those close Most unguarded relationships. Not what you are at church. Oh yeah, when I come to church, I show a lot of joy. I show a lot of love. No, I'm talking about in those relationships where you're least guarded. Are these things coming out? Are these characteristics in your life? Love. Of course, that's agape love. Self-sacrificing love. Not carnal, fleshly love. Joy despite circumstances. Peace, which is an inward calm because of our understanding of the character of God. And long-suffering, which is patient with people and slow to get angry with them. Gentleness, kindness and tenderness. Goodness, moral and spiritual excellence. Faith, faithfulness, really the word. Trustworthy, steadfast. Are we faithful? Are we good? Are we gentle? Are we patient? Are we peaceful? Are we joyful? Are we loving? What about meekness, humility, lowliness, submissive, and having a teachable spirit? Or do you know it all? Nobody can tell you anything. You've always got the answer. Your spouse can never help you because you've always got the answer. And then what about this one? Temperance. Self-control. What a wonderful thought tonight that because of the Spirit of God in us, look, we don't have to be defeated by the enemy. That... The thought tonight is not a depressing thought. It's a thought of victory. You and I have the Spirit of God living inside of us as believers to do something supernatural. To to have the love of Christ, which the world cannot have. To have a joy despite our circumstances, which the world cannot have. To have a peace in our heart, no matter what's going on around us because of of our understanding of the character of God. To be patient with people where lost people don't have... supernatural abilities through the power of the spirit of god if we will simply die to our flesh and submit to the spirit of god that ought to give us encouragement as we walk out of here tonight the question tonight and it really boils down to this are we disciplined enough to feed our spirit are we disciplined enough to starve our flesh Feed your spirit, starve your flesh. Your flesh comes up and says, I want this. I want to watch this. I want to listen to this. I want to partake in this. And your spirit says no. Then tell your flesh no. Surrender to the spirit of God. Pray in that moment that the spirit of God will give you strength to do what you know you need to do. Let me close with First Peter. Go over there real quickly. First Peter chapter 1. Paul's or Peter's admonition to these Christians who are going through very difficult times and he's trying to turn their eyes and minds towards eternity. Look at verse 13. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, this flesh to stir you up By putting you in remembrance. I need to remind you of some things. Knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, this flesh, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. He was about ready to to die. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decrees to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty for he received from god the father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we we were i'm sorry i'm in the wrong passage first peter i'm sorry not second peter first peter chapter 1 sorry now we got to go all the back that, some of that was applicable, but then I was going, where is he going with this? <laughs> this is much more on point. <laughs> Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, notice this, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, conduct. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through how? Through the Spirit. Notice that again. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth Forever, for all flesh, this is what we were talking about this morning. All flesh is as what? Grass, it's going to die. All the glory of man is the flower of grass. the grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Purify your hearts. purify your minds. Learn to say no to the flesh. Learn to say yes to the Spirit. And listen, it'll change every relationship you have. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your relationship with your children. It'll change your relationship with other believers in Christ. It'll change your witness in the world when these fruits of the Spirit are coming out of your life because of your walk with Christ and your submission to the Spirit. Father... Thank you again for your word. I pray, Lord, that as we leave here and we go out, that we would be Christians who are filled with your spirit, who walk in the spirit, who crucify our flesh. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as you have instructed us through Peter to to be holy. And we know, God, that that is not something that we just are outwardly, that it is what we are inwardly. Give us holy hearts and holy minds. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be committed to the daily disciplines, the study of your word, prayer, the sensitivity to the Spirit of God. God, help us not to be so busy that we don't every day pray to be filled with the Spirit of God and many times a day to guide ourselves and to walk in your Spirit. Keep this before us each and every day. We might have an impact for the gospel. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.